0: Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Selah Fellowship podcast of our Wednesday services. We are currently studying through the book of Exodus. Please open your Bibles to Exodus as we dive into our study this evening. Good evening. Evening. The old Wednesday night. Um, I had a PT. I go to PT twice a week, and my... Physical therapist happens to be a Christian, and so when he when he can, um, and he's usually whispering. But we like to talk about God and encourage one another. But he shared this story, and it was when I was uh, I pretty much just go and work out. I it's, I don't know if that's what physical therapy's for, but I just go and work out my legs. But he says it's supposed to help, so I trust him because he's the doctor. So I'm working out, and I'm it's like towards. I'm like, I got a breath, so we're like trying to talk. You know, it's hard to like talk when you're breathing heavy at that point. And, but we're talking about Jesus and these types of things, so I'm like trying to communicate. But he's telling me this story about his daughter and how he has, he has three daughters, but he has a seven, five, and I believe a three-year-old. And the seven and the five-year-old had been planning all week to have a sleepover in their own house, but in the game room upstairs, you know, the old tents with blankets, throwing them across beds, we all know. What that's like, and they were just so excited; they couldn't wait to get to this weekend so that they could have a sleepover together. And the day, that Saturday, uh, the oldest got sick, just got like flu-like symptoms, was uh, nauseous, and, and the whole nine yards, and just wasn't doing well at all. and And the parents were like, "This is this is too bad." They were so excited for this, and the dad took the middle child, the the girl, the younger girl, who was going to have the sleepover, to ballet. And they get out of ballet, and the younger girl, you know what, Dad, we need to stop right now and pray for Sissy. He goes, okay, yeah, that's a good idea. Why didn't I think of that, you know? And so the little girl, five years old, grabs him by the hand and says, Lord Jesus, I really, 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 really want to have this sleepover tonight. We have been waiting so long to do this, and Sissy's sick, and I just pray that you make her feel better, and you make her just well, so that we can have fun, because that's what we want to do. And... He he then confessed to me. He goes, you know, in that moment, I was almost just like intervening. Like, hey, you know, God's really good. He can answer those prayers. But, you know, sometimes He doesn't. And there's lessons in that. And the Lord was just like, just stop. Don't even. Don't even. Just let the little girl go. And He did. And they pull up to the yard. And the older sissy, the older sister, was just running around. And she was healed. She was made better. And He was just like, I'm a fool. He's like, and... You can imagine just, and he, he just expressed to me and, and administered to me, just like, that is how God wants us to come to him. He really does want us to come uh, with that faith like a child and just lift up our, our concerns to him, lift up our, our thoughts, our day, and, and expect that he really is a good, good father. That's who he is. And I was just thinking that moment, they, 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 that, that little girl and Jesus, they, they were dwelling together. He, she was hearing from him, and he was obviously hearing from her, and it was a sweet, sweet thing. And I was like, "Lord, do we we have that? I know we have that. We have we have times like that. There's there's days, and even sometimes days goes into weeks, and it's dry. And I know you're with me. I know you haven't left me. But that voice, and you know, I, maybe the the things of the the day and the week and the our our chaotic lives that time maybe it can be heavy and loud, and sometimes distracts us from really being able to hear and dwell and have that relationship going. And I was like, Lord, but it's so sweet. Because we do have it. At the end of the day, if you have a relationship with Christ, we do have that. We have that relationship where we know that He is going to usher us into heaven for a new eternity. And on this side of heaven, we get to hang out with Him. We get to learn from Him. We get to grow. He gets to minister to us by His Holy Spirit. And we become more like Him. And he shows up in amazing ways. He's just like, no way. Like, hey, jump out of the bus. And Kenny, jump out. It's just like, no way. Like, he really is awesome. And I said, Lord, how? Why? And he simply said, my son. My son. My son shed his blood for you. My son went to the cross for you. So that you could spend eternity with me. A price had to be paid for the sins that we are just born into. We're born into the flesh nature where we have fallen short of the glory of God. That is just who we are. But because of what He did in sending His Son, and this is, we know, this is just the good news that we have. It's the story that is, is our foundation. This is our rock, that we know that God so loved us that He sent His only Son to die. And I share this because we're going to be in the Old Testament tonight, Exodus 29. And Moses is up on the mountain and he's hearing from God and he's getting instruction on how the high priests and the priests were going to be consecrated. And you look at this chapter and what they had to do were go kill animals. A lot of sacrifice tonight. Three different animals. A lot of blood. Um, some cakes are involved. Some wheat cakes. You might get hungry. I don't know. I'm hungry. So I might get hungry thinking about it. But... God told Moses, this is how I want you to set up a time of separation. This is going to be the ceremony. This is going to be what you have to do for this high priest, Aaron, and his sons to be consecrated, to be separate, separated to me for the ministry of, of the priestly role and responsibility. It's just like so much blood. Sacrifice. It's heavy. It's weighty. But I'm going to spoil it. At the end of the chapter, we get to when God says, And now, this is where I'll be with my people, and they will be with me. They'll hear from me, and I'll be with them. And I'll be their God, and they'll be my people, and they'll know that I'm the God that got them out of Israel. That relationship. And so you look at, that's, how amazing is that? This God who split the sea through the whole staff thing, is now dwelling with them where they're going to be hearing from Him. It's a big deal. That's pretty incredible. So they have to look and say, Why is this coming to be? How is this coming to be? And you look and see God is blessed by the sacrifice. It was the only way that a sacrifice to be made for the sins to go away and that there be a dwelling between man and God, child and father, heavenly Father. So tonight as we walk out, I know it's a it's it's the one it's it's all we have. May we walk out strengthened knowing how good he is by what he did for us in sending his son. And from that births an amazing relationship. But we're going to be reading that he consecrated these priests. Their sacrifice involved so many, so many illustrations of what to come. And that's the other thing. We're going to read this and we're going to see Jesus as the high priest. We're going to see Jesus as the, the sacrifice. But they had no idea. They were just saying, sacrifice. You remember in the garden when they, they fell, Adam and Eve fell. And what did they do to cover themselves? They went out and grabbed some fig leaves. Covered themselves. This is as we, as Bible students know, this is how they covered themselves. This was the first act of religion. How man could do to make up for what they did against God. To cover that sin nature. And God's like, that's not going to work. And he sees this animal over here. And it's, it was sacrificed. And at this time, as I read the Bible, like they, animals and man were friends. They were dwelling together. They were hanging out. They, uh, Adam was naming all of them. I know we named our animal. He's a cool little dude. When you name something, you, you kind of have some emotions toward it. You, you enjoy its presence. So this, this, had no, this animal had no idea what was coming. Innocent. But yet, a bloodshed had to be made. And the covering that then God clothed them in this animal's skin's. This is, this is the only way. And so, for so long, for so long, God's saying to His people, I'm going to cover this. I'm going to make it right. But it is not going to come through your works. It's not going to come through what you do. You are not going to get closer to me for what you do, for what you sacrifice or, or how you sacrifice. But it's going to be my sacrifice. That, what's, that, what, that is what's going to draw you back to me. So, a good message tonight. The Lord spoke to me. Lord, I, I want to be that young girl. I want, to, I want to just know that we can't be closer because of what you've done for me on the cross. And that burbs some really cool things in a relationship with him. So I'm going to pray, and then Exodus 29. Lord, thank you for tonight. Thank you for your word. Lord, help me to, to walk through this as you've led me in, in, in talking about these bulls and these rams, and Lord, how they're important to you how you can show us and how we can apply it today for our walk today with you, Lord Jesus. So thank you for this time. In Jesus' name, amen. So, Exodus 29, uh, verse 1, it says, And this is what you shall do to them, to hallow them for ministering to me as priests. God's with Moses. Moses is receiving what we're now going to do. And it says, This is what you shall do, so that they can be hollowed, consecrated, separated, called, set apart for the ministering, the ministry to me as priests. And I, I thought about the word priests, and I said, What what do priests do? And Hebrews is is the book to go to for us in the New Testament when it comes to To just seeing how he's connecting the dots from from the Old Testament to the New Testament. From what man set up to what was already set up in heaven. And the first verse that uh, I want to read is Hebrews 5 uh, verse 1. It says, For every high priest taken from among men is appointed for men and these and things pertaining to God. That he may offer both gifts and sacrifices for sins. So, when It is now time to hollow it. This is how they're going to be consecrated for the ministering of me as priest. This is the priestly role. That they may offer both gifts and sacrifices for sins. He can have compassion on those who are ignorant and going astray. Since he himself also subject to weakness. Because of this he is required as for the people. So as for himself. To offer sacrifices for sins. And this no man takes this honor to himself, but he who call, is called by God, just as Aaron was. So, we're reading of Aaron. The priestly role was to sacrifice, to make offering for sin. And why? I asked why. And just slipping over to Hebrews 9, verse 22, it says, And according to the law, almost all things are purified with blood. And without the shedding of blood, there is no remission. There is no forgiveness of sins. So he's already sharing us with us that it is the blood that is what is needed for the forgiveness of sins. And what a heavy responsibility. I'm going to set you apart so that you can be the people that represent God to the, to the children of Israel and the Israelites to God. And your main role is to be going in and sacrificing, to be killing animals for the forgiveness of sin, heavy, heavy responsibility. For today, what is the Lord calling us to? What is He placed before us in this day that that He's He's calling us to do? For these, for Aaron and his sons, it was to be priests. For for us, it could be to be working, to be a father or mother, to to be a, a child, uh, to have parents, to, to go to school. Whatever it may be, whatever the Lord's calling us, this is important that we, that we grab hold, that the Lord ordains us. It says that it, it wasn't man who was going to call this. It's only called by God. God gives this calling. God says, I'm going to do this. No man can step into such a holy responsibility. No man can step into this ministry. And I love 2 Corinthians chapter 5. It says that we've been called into the ministry of reconciliation. Things on heaven and earth back to Jesus. That is our ministry. And we've been called into that. So we've all been called. We've all been given something to take hold of. And here is a very, very, very important part. God called us to do it. It's not just something that we think we can do, something that we might be interested in, but it is an actual calling God setting it apart. So take courage. If you're looking at something in your life right now and it, the Lord's calling you to it, or you're in a calling, you're in a position, you, you have your own little ministry, you're, you're being used of the Lord to, to better yourself in Him, to become more like Him, and then to be used as a vessel for others to become more like Him. If you see that on a day-to-day process, which we all have been called, what an awesome thing to know that it's Him who's called. And this next part, it says, take one young bull and two rams without blemish. Now, there's a lot in there, but what the Lord really showed me, and this is just a, a little idea, is He said, take one bull. Take. Take. I'm going to call you, and now I'm going to ask you to take. And the Lord just asked me, He's like, what does it mean to take it? Well, it means to take it. I could take I could take anything. I could. I'm not going to take that pot nor that pot. I'm probably not going to take anything around me here. But we can take. But the only way to take is to have something there to take. God says I'm going to call you. I'm going to set you apart for this. And now I'm going to equip you. Because we all walk into the day and it's just like, Lord, how am I ever going to get through this? What What do I need? How do I How do I get? So- the, the equipment that I need to take hold of this. How do, I, how do I gain the patience? How do I gain the strength? How do I be bold enough to, to enter into something like this? And he says, take. Take what, Lord, what I have for you to complete this. I'm not going to call you and then leave you hanging. I'm not going to ask you to do something and then not give you what you need to accomplish it. That's encouraging. That's a good thing. Because the Lord calls us. And sometimes it's like, no way. Do I have to go through this? Are you kidding me? Hey, I'm going to give you what you need. So that's for us. That's how we apply this today. But for in these priest's lives, it said, take one young bull and two rams without blemish. So we have a bull and we have two rams and they're without blemish and they're young. Only because I have dogs I, I understand this. I have one dog. But I thought about, what if I had a bunch of them? And... Without blemish, right? It's, it's the one that's good. I, I have a dog and he's, he's good sometimes. You know, he comes when he wants to. Sometimes he comes when I call him. But, you know, he's a good... But what if I had 10 and you just have that one dog in the pack that's just like come and he's just like boom, right there. Or if you're like sit down, he just sits, no questions asked. Stay and you stay and you leave for an hour, you come back, he's still there. Imagine that perfect one. And God says that's the one that you're going to take to be the offering. And he's like, oh yeah, but, I mean, there's those over there that are up on the hill. I mean, those, those ones can, we can do that. No. No, it's going to be the one that, that's really close. It's going to be the one who's perfect. The one without spot. Isn't it true that that's what he did with his son? He couldn't send a sinner to die for sinners because they already had a debt. You can't pay someone back when you owe yourself. And so he calls the one with no debt. He calls the one who is perfect. The young one, prime, ready to take on the world at 30. I'm turning 30 this year. They believe that Jesus was around that age when he started his ministry. Just a prime time of life to just experience it at its fullest. And he says, take this one. He's perfect. And so you already see God just showing us, the Israelites, that he is sending himself to be the one to be offered and to be sacrificed for the sins of all mankind. And so one young bull and two rams, and unleavened bread, unleavened cakes mixed with oil, and unleavened wafers anointed with oil. You shall make them of wheat flour. You shall put them in one basket and bring them in the basket with the bull and the two rams. And so we have our bull, we have our two rams. He, he says to grab these breads, these unleavened breads, not no sin, some oil, some uh, some. Holy Spirit bound bread and we're going to put them all in one basket and we're going to go. And what I love about this is he starts to say, "You shall, you shall." And so we have a calling. You're, you, these these priests were separated. They were asked to take. They were given the resources. But this is the this is very important for us today, as we're called and we're given resources. You now have to shall. You now have to do something with these things. You have to be a good steward. When when he gives you. The, the what you need to accomplish, what He's asked you to, you need to now put them into practice. In Hebrews, when it talks about the ones who need milk, who have, who have now gone back to the elementary ways of the oracles of God, it's because they stopped practicing. They stopped digging in and learning to be able to discern good and evil. They used it. And so for us today, we need to be using, we need to be good stewards of, we need to know that God has given us these things to accomplish a great task. And so when He has given us, when He has equipped us, we now have to go to town. We have to go to work. I know myself, I sit with gifts and dreams, and, I, and, and sometimes I just sit with them. And you go to use them, and it's just like, that really wasn't that good. And you go, why wasn't that good? is you haven't been using them. Or you're like, you go to use it for the first time and it's been a while, you put, it ba- you put it down, you haven't been in your word and a trial comes and all of a sudden you go to your rock and your rock's like, you're just like, I don't even know what I'm standing on anymore. It's because you're not in it. It's because you're not practicing. And so the things that the Lord has laid on your heart, has called you out and has equipped you, practice. Be a good steward. Use it. And it will glorify Him. And at the end of the day, that's what it was for. It was to glorify Him in what they were asked to do. So putting them all in one basket with the bull and the two rams. And Aaron and his sons, you shall bring to the door of the tabernacle of meeting and you shall wash them with water. So now we have, you could imagine, I don't know how, I mean, these they were young beasts, but beasts nonetheless. I mean, rams, uh, they're a beastly animal, a bull. I don't, you don't mess with bulls, young. But still, I mean, there's, they're, and I don't know if they're dragging them in. I don't know how good of a sheep dog you got to be nipping at. I don't know. But they got the basket and they're being brought in, and, and the whole tribe is watching this. They're all a part of this, and all of a sudden they say, "We're going to have to wash you. We're going to have to take the dirt away." And it's just such a cool representation when the Lord does call us into it, right? He goes, we need to clean up. Not that we have to clean up to to come in, but He wants to clean us. He wants to remove some of the, the dirt that we've been walking around with. Uh, for any of you, for a lot of you in this room who have seen the presentation, you have that moment where His hand goes down to the pot and He takes out the gunk. And then, of course, the washing of the Word. It's, it's so that it can be ready it can be ready for these garments that are going to be put on. And it's this taking away of this, this soil. Preparing them for the consecration. For the setting it apart for the ministry. So the washing of water. And I, I mean, Jesus was baptized. He was taken down into water. Before he was brought out into the wilderness. And then you shall take the garments. And It's been a while since we heard chapter 28. Pastor Steve Miller did an amazing job on it. I think like four weeks ago, maybe. Um, We do have a Selah podcast. And go listen to this message on just the the symbolism and the representation of these garments. Because it was all purpose-driven. And so it says, To take these garments and put them on Aaron in the robe of ephod, the ephod and the breastplate, and gird them with the intricately woven band of ephod. You shall put the turban on his head, and put the holy crown on on the turban, and you shall take the anointing oil, pour it on his head, and anoint him. And so they were stripped, they were washed, and they didn't wash themselves. This was something that 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 Moses got to do for them for this consecration. They didn't get to wash themselves; they were being washed. It wasn't, it wasn't for them to t- partake in. But then they were, they were robed with this righteousness, with this holiness. As, as you would read and, and see these this garments would represent. Is you're putting on the righteousness of God, the holiness of God. Walking and, and just being able to stand in that. It's a powerful thing, especially when you're called. When you're given something to take hold of. It's now important to then walk in that righteousness. And then, of course, verse seven: the anointing oil, pouring it on his head, and anointing him, preparing him. And for us, that's the Holy Spirit. It's without Him, it 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 always ends up maybe some worldly fame, maybe maybe your name might get mentioned, but when it's that anointing. The door just falls. Things just start taking place. Where you know God is moving. I mean that little girl anointed. Just with the Holy Spirit. Able to boldly pray this, pray this prayer. Because of the relationship she had. And so how important it is to wake up. And ask for that feeling of the Holy Spirit. So that you can be connected with Him. And know Him. And as He speaks you can hear. And as He directs you can walk. But Being anointed being sanctified. Verse 8, it says, Then you shall bring his sons and put tunics on them. And you shall give them with sashes, Aaron and his sons, and put on the hats on him. The priesthood shall be theirs for perpetual statute. So you shall consecrate Aaron and his sons. So they've been brought forth. They've been washed up. They have their garments. They have what they need to accomplish this task. They've been anointed They've been ready, and now they're on their way to be consecrated, to be set apart. Verse 10, you shall also have the bull brought before the tabernacle of meeting. And Aaron and his sons shall put their hands on the head of the bull. Then you shall kill the bull before the Lord by the door of the tabernacle of meeting. So you have the first animal brought forth, and it's the bull. And this bull is going to be used for a sin a sin offering. It's going to be that they now have to make an offering for their sins. Before they can walk in and start offering up sacrifices for others, they first have to offer up a sacrifice for their sins. And so what they were asked to do is go and put their hands on the head of this bull. And at this point, I can't imagine the bulls just chill and just laying there and good with this. And actually, in the Hebrew, that laying on of hands is, is not just a, a light touch, it, they, they are really. Pressing down on this on this bull's head. And it was to symbolize and to represent that they are transferring the sin, the shame, the guilt into this bull. And the requirements of that is that is death. And so they're transferring, pressing hard on this head, and then Moses would kill it, and the blood would spill. And you're just like, Sin offering? Jesus? Jesus did this for me. Jesus was 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 a sacrifice for me where I get to press on into Him. Press on into Him with all of the stuff that I carry. All of this sin and the shame and the guilt. And I get to press in and He takes it. And He does away with it for an eternity. It just begins to draw this picture of how good is our God that He would do this. And in verse 11, it does say, before the Lord. I love that. It wasn't in a secret place. It wasn't something that we could take credit for. It was before the Lord. It was it was for him to look down and say, "Yes. This is this is what I've asked." It was for him. And then in verse 8 or in verse 12 it says, "You shall take some of the blood of the bull and put it on the horns of the altar with your finger and pour out the blood beside the base of the altar." These horns are the same same horns that we've read about two, two men going and grabbing hold of for, for uh, security. Joab before he, and then as Solomon, I believe, stared at a man who was also holding the horns. They, they ran to it for security because their life was being threatened. But here we have the horns being sanctified with the blood. And with this altar, and the blood was to be poured out on the base. I mean, that's all of the blood, all of it needed to be poured out on the base of the altar. Besides the base of the altar. And you shall take all the fat and the covers of the entrails and the fatty lobe attached to the liver and the two kidneys and the fat that is on them and burn them on the altar. The flesh of the bull, it is a skin... with its skin and offal you shall burn with with fire outside the camp is it is it a sin offering. So all of the the fat, all of the things that that can be a sweet aroma were placed on the altar, but the flesh, the skin, it was brought outside the camp. And it is interesting that Jesus was also brought outside the camp as he was the sin offering. Verse fifteen You shall also take one ram, and Aaron and his sons shall put their hands on the head of the ram. And you shall kill the ram, and you shall take its blood and sprinkle it all around the altar. Then you shall cut the ram in pieces, and with its entrails and its legs, and put them with pieces and with its head. And you shall burn the whole ram on the altar. It is a burnt offering to the Lord. It is a sweet aroma and offering made by fire to the Lord. So this next animal that was to be offered was a whole burnt offering. It was to be brought and nothing was brought outside the camp. Nothing was left out. All of the blood was sprinkled on the altar. All of the fatty, it was cut up into pieces and mangled and just put on top. He wanted the whole thing to, to, to be offered up to the Lord. And this is cool because if you look at this, this word, this whole burnt offering, it, it, it translates into the Greek when, when Paul's talking about present yourselves as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to Him. Present yourself as a living sacrifice the whole thing because of the mercies of God present yourself as a living sacrifice he wants it all he wants all of us he doesn't want us to 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 keep things from him he doesn't want us to hold things back he wants all of us surrendered and we know when we get to that point and there's many of those points I believe in the Christian walk where you're continually going back to this place of Lord I'm I'm still holding on to this. Can you take it? Would you be willing to take it and to let it burn before you and may it be a sweet aroma to you, burnt with fire? I'm done with it, Lord. I I don't want to hold on to it anymore. It keeps taking me down, taking me down. Would you be willing to take it and let it burn before you, be consumed by you, and that you see this as a sweet-smelling aroma, a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God? So for the second ram, for the first ram, second animal, he wanted the whole thing, all of the blood to be spilt out. And it was an offering, it was a sweet aroma, an offering made by the fire to the Lord. We know of um, of uh, of meat being burnt, if you work at Mudman, it, it smells good. So I can only imagine that this this meat and the fats and just all being burnt, it, it, that was supposed to like kind of break this... But it's Wednesday, it's good, we're gonna keep rolling. Verse 19 You shall also take the other ram, and Aaron and his sons, and shall put their heads on the head of the ram, put their hands on the head of the ram. So again, that that same gesture of just of of transferring, of of putting it all down in that transfer. You shall kill the ram. And take some of its blood and put it on the tip of the right ear of Aaron and on the tip of the right ear of his sons and on the thumb of their right hand and on the big toe of their right foot and sprinkle the blood around all the altar. And so now, very interesting, we're we're, we're killing the the second ram. And this is going to be the ram of consecration. This is going to be the ram that is going to be the sacrifice that they're going to partake in. And it's going to partake, partake in them. So that there really can be this bond that's made between this man and this sacrifice. And first they take the blood and they put it on the right tip of the ear. A little interesting. On the tip of the right thumb and on the tip of the right big toe. And you can imagine for us today, what, what could that mean for us? Well, that, that sanctifying blood, that, that purifying blood. Imagine it being put on your ear and having your ears be purified so that you can hear so that when He speaks, you're, you're hearing with ears that have have been cleansed by the blood. That have been touched by the blood. That have been connected to the blood. This understanding that I, I we need this to take place. And so I I need it to be a part of me. I, I need to understand it. May it be on our ears so that we can hear Him as we walk through our lives. That's cool. And then on our thumb, for when we go to work. For when we put our hands to the plow. When we start pushing that plow for His ministry. May they be pure. May they be intentional, purpose-driven towards Him, towards His kingdom. And then, of course, on the big toe where we're walking it out. May our walk stay pure. May it be holy and, and set apart every step. For these priests, it was literal blood on their ear and their right thumb. And they began to understand that there's such connection here. And then what's really interesting next. It says that, And you shall take some of the blood and, that is on the altar, and some of the anointing oil, and sprinkle it on Aaron, and on his garments, and on his sons, and on their garments of the sons with him. And he and his garments shall be hallowed, and his sons and his sons' garments with him. It's, I, I, when I read this, and it, it was after I was, I was driving over to Vancouver, and I was listening to Pastor Steve's message on these garments, and how ama- they, they sought out men of wisdom to, to make these garments, to literally be connected to the Lord with their, their creativity in such a way where it was holy and righteous garments, and intricately woven and all of these things, and so beautifully Designed and created and then put on and they're wearing them and it would be an amazing thing and now we have blood sprinkled on them. I said, Lord, what's with that? What's with that? And I don't believe at all it's diminishing the righteousness that we wear, that we stand in, that righteousness, but it only adds to it. Righteousness is, does not come without the blood. You cannot have this righteous opportunity to walk in it without this blood. And so to have the anointing oil into the blood to cover these garments, it was now able for them to be consecrated. Now they should be hallowed and their sons and their garments with them. And so even as we walk in righteousness, even as we walk in what we've been called to do in, in a way that, that is with faith, because our faith is counted as our righteousness. So as we're walking in faith, that faith comes from the understanding of what He's done for us. And it's just a representation of, of where we get to stand today. Verse 22, it says, Also you shall take the fat of the ram and the fat tail and the fat that covers the entrails, the fatty lobe attached to the liver and the two kidneys and the fat on them and on the right thigh, for it is the ram of consecration. One loaf of bread, one cake made with oil and one wafer from the basket of the unleavened bread that is before the Lord. And you shall put all of these in the hands of Aaron, in the hands of his sons, and you shall wave them as a wave offering before the Lord. So Moses went and he took these pieces from the ram and he took some of the bread out of the baskets and they were to put them in the hands and wave them before. Just symbolizing, Lord, these, these are for you. This, this consecration process, this offering, this, we're waving these in acknowledgement that this is for you. It was a wave offering before the Lord. And you shall receive them back from their hands and burn them on the altar as a burnt offering. A sweet smelling aroma to the Lord. It is an offering made by fire to the Lord. So that's definitely mud men. Buns and meat. Okay, It's a sweet smelling aroma to the Lord and to us. And this was the time of consecration. And so... Then, picking up verse 26, Then you shall take the breast of the ram of Aaron's consecration and wave it as a wave offering before the Lord, and it shall be your portion. And from the ram of the consecration you shall consecrate the breast of the wave offering which is waved, and the thigh of the heave offering which is raised, of which is for Aaron, and of that which is for his son's. It shall come, be from the children of Israel for Aaron and his sons by a statute forever, and for it a, and for it is a heave offering, and it shall be a heave offering from the children of Israel from the sacrifices of their peace offerings, that is their heave offering to the Lord. So we have a lot of offerings going on right now, and the heave offering came from the peace offering. From the children of Israel. And this is a really cool just picture of the children of Israel are taking their peace offering. And being a part of this consecration process by giving it as a heave offering. It's it's their portion. And giving it to Aaron and his sons to be a part of it. it, it it's how they were connected. It's just a really cool picture of of how they're using this sacrifice and these offerings for the priests to come and to be one and to be unified with the children of Israel. And it was as a heave offering. In verse twenty nine, and the holy garments of Aaron shall be his sons after him, to be anointed in them and to be consecrated in them. That the son who became becomes priests in this in his place shall put them on for seven days when he enters the tabernacle of meeting to minister in the holy place, so we kind of break from. He kind of breaks from just seeing this consecration process with this ram and with the 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 um, the bread, and he breaks into saying, "By the way, these holy garments of Aaron shall be his sons after him." So the son that's to take the place of Aaron is going to also be in these holy garments, to be anointed in them, and to be consecrated in them, to be anointed and set apart in them that's the son who becomes a priest in his place, shall put them on for seven days when he enters the tabernacle of meeting to minister in the holy place. So just God breaking away and just continuing to instruct Moses to how this priestly lineage is going to go, to how he's going to take these, these, these orders and these laws and these rules and he's going to use them as they continue down the line. And so he has to take on these garments um, for seven days, putting on the, the garments that have been splattered with blood and put them on for seven days so that they can step into that place. And now 31 dives back into the, this, this consecration offering. And you shall take the ram of the consecration and boil its flesh in the holy place. Now they're inside. Then Aaron and his son shall eat the flesh of the ram and the bread that is in the basket by the door of the tabernacle of meeting. They shall eat those things which have been the atonement was made to consecrate and to sanctify them. But an outsider shall not eat them because they are holy. I love this. Now not only is this instruction being taken place so that the outside can be made holy. so So that what can appear on the outside can be set apart and to be consecrated and called into into ministry, but also now the inward. He's now not only having them be, having them be sanctified and to be atoned, uh, to be sanctified on the outside, but now on the in. And how important is that for us? That we not only just let the outside, the appearance, what people look at and see, become righteous, become separated, become sanctified, but also let Him to go in to really take part in Him. And that's, uh, you see communion in here. You see that they get to partake in the offering so that it truly goes in and connects. It's a beautiful picture. And it goes, and they, they it, for it to be inward, the heart for us, we think about our heart. And we think, how often do we get away with just waking up and going about the, the works? Just. Prayer in the morning may be uh, serving in front of others or showing up a, a polite hand. Just ways that we, we know we find ourselves just do, putting on the mask, putting on the dance, putting what we know as Christians, talking the lingo, and it's not, it's not what he's after. What he's after is the heart, that transformation for him to truly come inside and begin to transform us with his word so that our heart, our character can start to change. Because if you run for a while with just the outside being changed, it it burns out. It doesn't last. But we know we can experience when He comes in and does that work. When He starts to transform our life, and you, and then it's on your heart, and you build that into character. And now all of a sudden, you're you're doing things that's like no way do I have victory in that. There's no way. Like I, I once had, I struggled with this and, and I started fighting. I, I really started fighting and battling against the flesh. And I love what Jesus says to his disciples. Would you w- be willing to deny, deny yourself, carry a cross and come after me? And you have those moments where you really have to deny yourself. You're looking at something or you're partake, you're getting angry again. And, and all of a sudden, Lord, I, this isn't right. This isn't right. I have to deny this. I have to put this away. And then it, and then you get closer to the actual time. And now you really have to use the cross. You really just have to completely die to self and say, you know what? This is killing me and it's gone. I need to put it away. And at that moment, what I, I, I believe and see is now... Follow me. And, and all of a sudden, when you start exercising that, when he's really transforming on the inside that character, and you start putting it into practice, you start doing these things that he's asking you to do, and you start putting them into practice, it's now becoming a part of who you are. It's a character that's now changing. Now, the battle's not as difficult. But in fact, instead of going to that old place, you start going to a new place. He says, the old creation, it's dead. Behold, the new creation is for you that's found in my son. So awesome. So, in this moment, they now get to partake so that the inwards also can be set apart and sanctified and consecrated. And if any of the flesh uh, of the consecration offerings or the bread remains until morning, then you shall burn the remainder with fire. It shall not be eaten because it is holy. And I remember doing a study in Exodus back when he was giving a similar instruction. And the, my takeaway from it is that he's not interested in having tomorrow what he's giving you today. He really does enjoy blessing you with new manna. So when he lets you partake, it's, it's, you don't try to take it and, and, and drag it out and continue to go back to it as if it's some kind of equation, but you, you let it minister to you, you let it be holy, you let it be what it is, and then you wake up the next day expecting our God to move in, a, in the same way and meeting us and ministering to us. Verse 35, Thus you shall do to Aaron and his sons according to all that I have commanded you. Seven days you shall consecrate them, and you shall offer a bull every day as a sin offering for atonement. So they did this. They went and sacrificed a bull for seven days in a row as a sin offering for atonement. You shall, cle- you shall cleanse the altar when you make atonement for it, and you shall anoint it to sanctify it. Seven days you shall make atonement for the altar and sanctify it, and the altar shall be most holy. Whatever touches the altar must be holy." And so for seven days, they went through this process of, of continuing to sacrifice a bull so that this blood can just be the answer. So that the sacrifice can be the answer. It, it is what truly separates us and sanctifies us. And then he moves on into a different direction, but still connected. In verse, in verse 38, it says, Now this is what you shall offer on the altar. Two lambs of the first year, day by day, Continually. One lamb you shall offer in the morning, and the other lamb you shall offer at twilight. With the one lamb shall be one-tenth of an ephah of flour, mixed with one-fourth of a hen of pressed oil, and one-fourth of a hen of wine as a drink offering. And the other lamb you shall offer at twilight. And you shall offer with a grain offering, and a drink offering, as in the morning for a sweet aroma, an offering made by fire to the Lord." This shall be a continual burnt offering throughout your generations at the door of the mac- tabernacle of meeting up for the Lord. And so now he's showing the first year. And then it says that you should be doing this continually throughout the generations. It's one lamb, a young lamb, in the morning and one lamb at night. And for us, as I look at this, it's, it's to remember both morning and night. It's to wake up. And to go back and to say, Lord, I want to dwell with you. I want to experience you. I want to, to walk with you as I know you're walking with me. And so they were set up to do this both in the morning, so that when you wake up and the sun is rising, that they're remembering. And that the sun goes down, that they're remembering. You have to, like smoke comes from fire. And if you're doing it in the morning and at night, this thing was continually to burn all the time. So as the children of Israel would look on, they would always be seeing the smoke. And he was saying, it's always going to be my son. It was always going to be Jesus. Every time you look onto this camp. Every time you consider that I'm going to be dwelling with you, the reason is is because of this continual offering, and we know that Jesus made it once and for all. These priests had to continue to go back every day, and then for the for the sin once a year, they had the 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 offering that they were that they were sacrificing. Just it didn't do it. It wasn't it wasn't going to do the complete atonement for sins, and. He says, but I'm, I was going to. I was always going to, and I did. I sent my son. And I love what Roman says. He says, I sent my son to die for you. What won't I do for you? What won't I do? If I sent my son, if I've done, if I went to that extreme to make sure that I was going to have you in heaven with me forever, what won't I do for you now? And so that too should encourage us. Because we can know that we have it because we have him and i and i know for myself as, as as you continue to get called into these into roles of his of his body as he continues to have you walk in 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 his in your walk of faith in your relationship it is so important to know and to be able to look up and to experience who he is and what he's done and it, it, it wraps up saying this this shall be a continual burnt offering throughout your generations at the door of the tabernacle of meeting before the Lord where I will meet you and speak to you and there I will meet with the children of Israel and the tabernacle shall be sanctified by my glory how cool is that idea that nothing will be sanctified nothing will be, be made holy by what we do but by his glory very important as we're called and we're, we're walking in, in, his, in His calling for our lives, whatever that might be. So I will consecrate the tabernacle of meeting and the altar. I will also consecrate both Aaron and his sons to minister to me as priests. As He will do for us, He will set us apart to also be a part of, of, his, of his ministry of reconciliation. And I will dwell among the children of Israel and will be their God. And they shall know that I am the Lord their God. Who brought them up out of the land of Egypt that I may dwell with them? I am the Lord their God. And so we have this chapter, and it, it, if you if you read later, it, you get to actually read it taking place, and it's pretty cool because it's like, wow, we read about this. We 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 heard, Moses took these notes. He he took these instructions, and and then it took place. He brought it down. He said, okay, this is what the Lord's asked us to do, and the whole thing unfolded. And it actually took place. But for us, as we walk out of here, even in Exodus 29, even being in the Old Testament, learning about priests and bulls and rams and, and bread and, and blood and garments, it so applies to our life today. Because we also are called. We also are set apart. And we can take what's being given and we can go and we use it and we need to use it and be responsible for it. And we're washed and we're clothed and we're anointed and we're set forth on mission. But never forgetting what he did. For me in this study, it was, it was just to remember. It was just to, to continue. And I, I've, it's really cool because the Lord's been answering a prayer. I said, Lord, I want to know you more. And I, I've actually shared this in a study. Lord, continue to teach me about Jesus. I need to know about this Jesus. This is the one who who, has, who that is our founder and perfecter of our faith. And you've asked us to race this race of faith. So I need to be looking at him. Would you continue to show me? And I get scriptures like these where I would have never gone and looked for Jesus. I would have never gone and tried to see the depth of his love through his sacrifice through Exodus 29. But how beautiful that he listens and he hears. So tonight as we go out. He's such a good father. He's such a good God. He's done everything. What won't he do for us? He, the high priest, and also the sacrifice. A brilliant, profound, but yet out of reach almost, doctrine of what he's done. And so be encouraged. Because if you're in here and you're being called, you're being set apart, you're being asked to to take hold of and go, he's with and he's not going to leave. And it's all because of him. It's all because of what he's done. Amen. Thank you for joining us for this study through the book of Exodus this evening. If you would like more information about Selah Fellowship, please visit us on the web at selahfellowship.org. While you are there, feel free to check out some of our other messages and past book studies. Thank you again, and God bless.